you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and it is wonderful to welcome back regular listeners and also give a massive high five of welcome to those of you that are listening for the first time. Unleashing Brilliance, this podcast series is all about sharing the stories of business owners, of entrepreneurs, of incredible leaders, of people in our own backyards who are doing fabulous stuff. We all have a story. There is always uh, lots of stuff in our back background that has got us to where we are and is these stories that I want to unlock and share with you because it is through these stories that we gain wisdom and insight that hopefully we can use in our own lives. Today's guest is Naomi Simpson. I had the pleasure of meeting Naomi and spending some time with her in the US earlier this year. Um, I have followed her journey and been inspired by many of her keynotes that I've sat in on here in Australia. But it really was spending a few days with her in San Francisco earlier this year that I was able to find out a little bit more about her purpose and what drives Naomi. She is a passionate supporter of Australian businesses. She's a true business leader and influencer with more than 3 million LinkedIn followers. And she is the most followed person on business networking here in Australia. She's also the author of two best-selling books, Live What You Love and Ready to Soar. She is known as an entrepreneur and business leader. Her company, The Big Red Group, was co-founded in 2017 with her business partner after the growth of Red Balloon, the business. This has a shared purpose to shift the way people experience life. And BRG serves activities to loads of audiences through its various marketplaces of Red Balloon, Adrenaline, Lime and Tonic, and Ready.com. She also appeared in four seasons of Shark Tank Australia. Uh, She was known as the hashtag Red Shark, sitting there on the panel, uh, really deciding whether or not to invest in them hundreds of businesses that pitch their ideas on national TV. Um, Naomi has so much experience, so much knowledge, so much insight to share. And in this podcast, we talk a lot about her purpose, about the need to start, all of us to start thinking more curiously and more deeply, about her wish to unite people to a cause and to hold them accountable. She is passionate about what leaders need to do differently as we start leading into the future. And for those of us that are running businesses, she has a dream to build more emotional resilience amongst us because as she said, no business is immune to the downs of running a business. So bunker up and enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance with the fabulous Naomi Simpson. Hi, I'm Naomi Simpson. Hello, Hi, Naomi. Hey, 
it's so fabulous to have you on today's show. I think the last time I saw you was at San Francisco Airport as we were departing in January. God, we had fun in San Francisco, didn't we? Well, I thought the content was amazing and I'm always about learning new things and learning from others. So, no, it wasn't just that you and I got to speak. It was that we got to hang out with incredible people. It was pretty cool. It was an awesome lineup. Um, So let's talk about you. So one of the things... Um, I loved listening to your keynote whilst we were in San Francisco. Um, I've been inspired by your journey as an entrepreneur and businesswoman and now the incredible work that you continue to do, inspiring uh, everyone around you to to step up. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're a founder of a business um, with thousands, millions of followers on social media. So love what you do. So let's let's share a little bit of that. So, Naomi, just can you share for our listeners, um, which are now global, um, who are you? Because you're more than just a business owner. Isn't that the question of life, Janine? Who am I? Why am I? I know where I am, so that's a start. What am I? And um, look, I um, have always been a marketer. I left university and got my first job as a marketing graduate and I've been a marketer ever since. But I uh, left corporate life when I had kids and I started my business and now businesses. And actually there are marketing companies, whether it be Red Balloon, the Big Red Group or the other brands that we have. Effectively, what they do is find customers uh, and deliver them to experienced businesses around Australia and New Zealand. And where where did this whole passion for creating amazing experiences come from? I don't think we create the amazing experience. Our supply partners do all of the experience. Our job is to create an amazing customer experience. So it's really frictionless and we're matching the right people to the right experience at the right time. And that's what people are expecting from any online business is our intuition of what we serve and what we recommend so I would you know it depends how you um I would say we do have to look after the experience of the experience rather than the Mm. experience because you know we have the world's best hot air balloonists like literally we have and world's best um paddleboarders and world's best rally drivers you know we've got all of these incredible experiences but what not they're not the world's best at is marketing and actually marketing is harder than it's ever been before finding and keeping customers uh, and it's never been more expensive as um, especially in terms of currency and most people have to pay in US dollars so you know uh, business can be tough but if you've got a partner that's share you know you're joined at the hips and don't have to pay anything unless you get a customer it's a pretty nice business model works can you uh, can you remember that watershed moment that set you on this journey is there a particular moment you remember where you went, oh, my gosh, that's how I ended up here? No. There's thousands and thousands of small little things, and often I reflect back with business partner David Anderson. Uh, we created the Big Red Group three years ago, and we realised how far we've come. But in any given day, you're going, oh, it either yeah, seems like a grind or we got something done today. But I don't believe there's been any epiphany moments and anybody in business who thinks right that was the moment well just as quickly it can be taken away there is no set and forget in business ever 
Mm-hmm. And it's continuing to challenge, right? I mean, you would you mentioned there the the cost of marketing, the cost of getting noticed, the cost of being relevant. Um, what 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 uh, what are you seeing as the most imperative thing that that businesses must start doing in terms of uh, being as successful as they can today? Well, um, you know, every business is different, and they're unique. Um, and born of different heritage. So it's never one size fits all. It is what you can learn from others that is relevant for you because not one person's journey is going to be the same as another. So you kind of have to pick and choose what 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 you um, learn. But I think if there's, there's really the thought of the new CEO, which is how do you listen and engage with customers? And that sounds like some motherhood statement. But I mean really living in their world, like really understanding why they choose you um, and why they trust you. And trust might be um, because they feel like they belong with you or that they feel like they matter because, or, or, or just that they want to do a transaction. There's different reasons why people buy from you and understanding it and also understanding that all customers are not the same and it's not one homogenous group. So how do we treat people as individuals and serve their particular needs to build on the trusted relationship? So customer is really important and it's not a motherhood statement. The second thing is um, it's about our own team and the people around us. I would love to run a business on my own because I know I can count on myself, but I actually can never scale a business unless you've got a team. And so who are they and do you have a shared sense of purpose, values and vision, particularly and do they get to do their best work every day and be themselves, be their whole and complete and perfectness, even though it, it will be and um, be different? And that those differences is what creates the notion of different viewpoints, which is so powerful inside an organisation. And the third one is all the outsiders. And that might be people who have never purchased from, from you or might have never had any commercial transaction with you, but they have an opinion. And we never know who or where or how that will pop up. So, um, you know, no business operates in isolation. So, therefore, I would say is how are you listening without judgment and also without being myopic in the sense of, you know, yesterday um, someone said, oh, I've been out on these customer calls. Our customers are saying X. And I go, are they? Which customer? How often do they say that? How are they representing the whole group? Is that... You know, so we just need to, just because one person says something doesn't mean that it is the answer. We need to validate that in some way. So there's something in there, isn't there, about this this need now to get even more curious or deeper in the questioning to really understand what's what's truly going on. Because as, as you've alluded to there, sometimes we make decisions based on a surface level immediate judgment versus the curiosity of actually finding the real answer um, is, is key. Or worse, it's the person who yells the loudest, the yes. the biggest voice. And sometimes that's the founder. And that's yeah. not necessarily productive. And being self-aware enough to know that your voice and your opinion is not the only thing, mm. I, I think is is it takes a great deal of self-awareness. Mm. What's what's the greatest hurdle you've had to overcome as as you've progressed and built your career? Oh, there's been so many. Um, you know, we reflect now the GFC and the fear and anxiety that we had around that. And, 
a year and a half later, if we were in a different conversation, when big global um, players come into our Australian market and often they don't even have an office here, have an algorithm that we're fighting and we can't, they're faceless foes. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I, look, the, I think the greatest challenge is to consistently unite people to the cause and to hold them, um, you know, to be the best versions of themselves and that they really want to sh- show up and do that and that they're doing something that is really valuable and worthwhile for our community. Because the work we do, we create thousands and thousands of jobs throughout Australia, which is thousands of livelihoods in rural and local communities and in the cities and every town. And sometimes we lose sight of the impact that we have. And it's often can be challenging when you get caught up in the what, not the why. Yet you can get really caught up in that. And that's a consistent challenge over a long career time. And obviously here in Australia, we've had a really challenging start to the year with the bushfires and the flooding. And um, and they are many of your um, key partners that you work with when it comes to um, operating through Red Balloon or your other ventures. Um, and we were talking just offline about the the area that we're in at the moment with this this COVID virus. And it's a classic example of um, these adaptive situations that we're living in. From, from your perspective, I know you're really passionate about supporting your community, not just the team that are employed by the organization, but all of these incredible small business owners and entrepreneurs and experienced creators. Why, why is it such a driver of yours, Naomi? Oh, my father had a small business when I was young and, you know, that was back in the day when there was no internet and there was only a phone and not even a fax actually when he started. So, you know, it was a long time ago and anybody who gives it a crack to be self-sufficient and to be in charge of their own financial future just deserves support and respect. And I just don't necessarily know that smaller businesses or micro-businesses uh, get the respect that they're deserved uh, and also the resources that they need. I'm a big believer in continually educating and continually learning. But now it's there's so much information available. How do you know what's good and what's bad? Mm-hmm. And, this, and time's short. Um, and we never, nobody's got enough time. Everybody's more busy or busier than they were before. So um, that's probably why I do it because I, I get the, the challenge and, you know, even small businesses who might sell to big business, which is fantastic, that's great, and then they don't get paid for yeah. months. And the stress that that creates and the depression in small business owners is on the rise, mm-hmm. then that has a whole ongoing effect and get, instead of going home and maybe being loving they can't leave work at work uh, maybe they come home and kick the dog instead of cuddling the dog you know and so I, I think people understand that the financial stress and also because they might have hocked the house and they've done the work they've expended the dollars and they're not being paid and I know that the ombudsman they've put in these rules and so forth but unless you have had to survive for yourself and fend for yourself, these people who sit inside businesses who, you know, have to put a signature on a piece of paper to get somebody being paid, 
I just encourage them to do so because it's not just a form. It's not just a piece of paper. There's a person, a family, a livelihood at the end of that. And mm. the money flowed through the system better and easier. We'd have a different society, absolutely mm. a different society. Yeah, Small business is not a bank and um, it's often treated so. I remember this big, uh, it was a European co- company, we negotiated, they wanted to buy a lot of Red Balloon vouchers for their people. Uh, we had negotiated 14 days. Now, remember, I pay my suppliers before the event, before the activity. And so I would be out of pocket as soon as they book to go. So I would be carrying that debt. I said 14 days. Well, then in comes a new financial controller says we've changed it to 90 days. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not selling to you anymore because mm-hmm. I am not carrying your debt. There is You are massive, billion, billion-dollar business. And when they say, well, you know, we're putting you on 90 days or we'll give you terms, no, I'm just not selling to you. And you can go without and that's the thing, when people are left vulnerable because they, they want to sell their product and they're left vulnerable. And the big retailers have a lot to answer for when they're effectively, and I know this through my Shark Tank businesses, when these big businesses then try to factor the debt and get more discount out of them. Well, our terms are 90 days, but we will pay you at 45 days, but we'll get an extra 5% discount. No. That's just mm. wrong because they're mm. using their power um, for these very small businesses. Mm. Onto this, but it bothers me. It bothers me because it impacts the whole of our society. It impacts not just the business owners, but their families, their friends, their children, and nobody's really caring about that. So I just care about small businesses. Mm. And you mentioned there your Shark Tank experience, so. For anybody listening in, Naomi Simpson was one of our sharks on Australian's version of the Shark Tank. Uh, Naomi, when when you were first approached about uh, taking on that role, what what went through your mind? I'm curious. Oh, you know the answer to this, and you know I'm going to say I would never do. Why would I? Why would I put myself out there and be on reality TV and make a fool of myself? Uh, you know, really, my automatic was no, and it took yeah. It took somebody challenging me and saying, here you are every day being a role model for others. Why are you being so stingy? Why are you not uh, prepared to sit on a stage where people can see you who would never know the work you're doing? Uh, You know, I talk about small business and then I wasn't going to show up and and do that. So I was challenged to greatness when I wanted to play small. Um, And, yeah, anyway, because it is. We need people around us to challenge us. And what did what did you learn about yourself through that whole experience? I don't sit up straight enough. <laughs> That's just <laughs> more. They have these things in your ear and they're, they're saying, and the only thing they ever said to me was, now you sit up straight. Now you put your legs together. Now you sit up straight. Now you uncross your legs. Now you sit up straight. So uh, I learned I don't sit up straight enough for um, national television. Um, so I, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I learned a lot about other people's businesses as well, which is always interesting and fascinating. I also know that there's no set and forget in any business, just as many have gone out of business um, who have grown. You know, there is no guarantee in business. And so we have to think about how we support each other. Buy Australian, buy, buy, buy Australian, buy local 
and um, support each other in our community. So those in, those incredible businesses that that had that were brave enough to pitch on national TV, um, having gone through a huge and I'm imagining audition process, um, were there some things that became consistent in terms of uh, those that you saw as having great opportunity and those that didn't that you can share with listeners about? You know what? If you do have an idea, these are some critical must-haves if you're looking for investment? Yeah, obviously getting your numbers right. Um, but I would also say, you know, often people come on and say the problem I'm solving. I'm not so interested about whether they're solving a problem. I'm more interested about if people are prepared to pay for it. Mm. And they're very, very different questions. So, um, so what job are you being hired to do? Where are those customers? What are they like? The number one thing for me, though, is who was that person as a leader and um, whether they realised that purpose was about what they give, not what they get. And if they didn't know that, I don't know if I could ever teach it to them. I don't know if they would ever have the emotional maturity to be able to say, I'm merely here as a conduit, I'm merely here as a custodian of this idea uh, to support a community who... Um, will be better off because of it. And so so that was really important to me. And if they didn't have some element of understanding um, the community sentiment around sustainability, the climate, um, then I was just like, gosh, you know, is this how far we've come now? You know, so I, I, there was such a big conversation about contribution. That's the one I always had. Steve thought I was cracked in the head. He's just like, it's business. And I'm like, yeah, but it's where I want to spend my energy and time. So um, ultimately I think now people, even in the years that we've been doing Shark Tank, I think people are even far more aware now of contribution, their place in society and community than they ever were before. And I loved you were you were sharing with me about um, learning to so you know you are a leader you've you've got big vision purpose you are willing to share your opinion um, from the stage and on panels and in the media and yet you also shared with me how in that situation of Shark Tank the unconscious the unconscious bias that was going on in terms of you not speaking up first and other people taking ideas and how you almost had to had to dig deep like many of us have to do every day um, of getting that opinion there first or repeating it or having that idea. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the reflection that I had is how often we sit back and play nice and wait for our turn. Australians on the whole are really nice people. And we will, you know, my mother always said, um, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And that might not have served me well, as long as it's not about the person, it's about what it is. I think speaking up, uh, if you truly believe something, um, but not the opinion for having having an opinion. It's, you know, it's not being heard for the sake of being heard. And I also reflect there are other words we use, kind, are they are thoughtful and are they considered? And I think a lot of people do a lot of talking there, just their brains are on loudspeaker. My husband said that to me last night. He goes, your brain's on loudspeaker. And I go, oops, oh, well, you know. <laughs> so I think that that 
Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about when I share the story about um, me waiting my turn like a good girl um, and that that's kind of surprising. But I, I think that everywhere what we need from our leaders is our leader's job is to encourage everybody to be participating and having a voice uh, to make sure the introverts are nurtured out. And that's the job of a, of a chair or uh, a facilitator of a meeting is to make sure that all the people in the room are there for a reason. And if that reason is to be heard, then to value that. Um, and But we have a responsibility too when we're called on is to consider what and why we're saying it and is are we adding value to the conversation and is, if so, how? So, yeah, I, I guess there's so much in uh, human nature of um, you know, our, you know, politeness and uh, that sometimes we're not straight with people and it's probably just people of disservice. And you've written two incredible books, uh, Live What You Love and Ready to Sur- Soar. And anyone ready to surf then? Uh, ready to Soar. Um, what, what, uh, what made you write them? Um, you know, where, what made you sit down? Because writing a book, as I know personally, isn't, isn't something that you do with five minutes of spare time. It takes a lot of energy, commitment and focus. What drove you to put those words onto paper to share with the world? Um, the first one, Live What You Love, uh, um, LinkedIn, I write for LinkedIn, and they came with a topic and said, you know, we'd like 600 words on um, what you would tell your younger self. And I started writing, and then at 6,000 words I go, oh, it's going to be hard to edit. At 18,000 words I spoke to a friend of mine who's a publisher, and she said, oh, you might have a book in this, just keep going. So Live What You Love was also, I have four adult children. They're adults now, but they're in their late teens when I wrote that book. And I, I wanted also to kind of impart this, um, this thesis about purposefulness and um, the passion is different than purpose and the power of words and positivity and how we can reframe uh, and use our words to create reality. So... So that was the first book and I can tell you that um, when I wrote that and it was coming out in February, we'd arranged everything and then I get a phone call and will you be on Shark Tank? Oh, my goodness, if you don't think my publisher did a happy dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so excited, which is really lovely. And then um, I wrote uh, Ready to Soar because my inbox is full of people asking for mentoring help, mm. will you invest in my business, just got this one question. And actually I need to be really responsible about how I answer that. I've got this idea, it would be really amazing, what do you think, would you help me? Because I, I, I can't help anybody and be able for my own businesses to sort out, you know. And uh, so I wrote this book because I wanted to be really responsible about how I answered that question of should I give it a go and be my own boss? And it's not for everybody. So I, I wrote, yeah, Ready to Soar, which is for everybody who's probably ever stood in front of me or pitched to me or written me an email asking me for mentoring. I go, well, read this first. And if you still think you're on that journey, what's your specific question? So mm. that's what I loved about about that particular book is um, 
you know, the finally a reality check of what life's all about, of what it is about running a business and the questions that you need to actually ask yourself. Because so many people think the grass is greener on the other side and it's not easy building your own business. It takes a lot of focus, effort, determination, personal match fitness, um, play on your purpose. <laughs> I just wonder about this notion of celebrity to do with entrepreneurs. Like we're just business people. We see mm. opportunity, we invest time, energy and money, give it a crack and see what happens. Mm. Um, but I think societally this kind of fascination with people who have a different sort of a life. But there has been a lot of people who have toiled very hard for a very long time who are very successful and we've never heard their names. And so I do worry that people get all excited about the notion of celebrity. Oh, I'm going to be a famous entrepreneur rather than actually I'm just wondering if I could serve these people and really support them on this job and that they would hire me to do that job, you know. I just wonder. I can still remember sitting, I think I shared this story with you, sitting at a panel in an event one evening and this this young woman put her hand up to ask me the question and the question went, I have just left my job. I'm going to sit in a cafe tomorrow. How do I find an idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, that. What are we creating? Let's go back to work. Let's go back to work. And yeah. um, what what um that really worries me because you know people's livelihoods are at stake and you know sometimes remember when we were in thing and Condoleezza Rice said you know what are the two things the young people are all looking for and they come and they say things like oh I just want to be really have a big sense of purpose uh, in anything I do and then she says maybe your purpose is to pay your own rent you know, there's mm. time and a place for everything. So that was one thing she said. And then the other thing is they said, I want to be a leader. Well, to be a leader, you've got to have achieved something, be an expert on something, be able to unite people to a deep sense of purpose, and that comes from contributing to others. No, I thought she was particularly hilarious when she said that, and I have reused it. So look at that value that we got out of being in. Exactly. What's, what's your definition of purpose, Naomi? Uh, purpose is different than purposefulness. I'm, I live every day purposefully, which means that go to bed and say, did I make the world a better place today? Did I contribute to others? And I think that's really important. Um, I live a purpose because I want to shift the way people experience life. And for me, that is broad enough for not just the businesses that I have, but also in terms of my own speaking, writing and so forth. Maybe I did something that just slightly made the world a better place. And that keeps me going when, you know, there's so many choices about where people spend their time and money and so forth. That's what keeps me going. And I'm imagining living a purposeful life, um, you have to get pretty good at saying no. You have to. You have to know who you are. So as you know, i you know, given this whole vegan thing a crack for a little while, see what goes on there. And that's, one of the pieces just is about being purposeful. The other thing is my husband and I were working at getting our house off the grid. So, again, that's just about, you know, well, you know, should we, could we? We can talk about it and blame others, but actually we need to start with ourselves. Mm. When you think about the future, what is what is your wish for future generations, business owners? Why are you continuing to do what you're doing? What's your wish? 
So I, you know, no life is perfect and no business is perfect. And that always comes with ups and downs. And that is the exciting thing. But what I'm seeking is for people to be emotionally resilient so that they appreciate that and they're making really uh, conscious choices about their own energy and time. But, yeah, um, no business is ever going to be easy. It's okay. One minute you think you've got it all sorted and the next minute it's not. You know, we all thought, oh, Facebook, wow, amazing. Wow, 300,000 people in Australia are suing them right now. So, you know, (laughs) so no business is... um, immune or beyond, above and beyond. And so, yeah, that's what I want. I want people to have emotional resilience and maybe some of my content or my speaking or whatever supports them in that. Uh, you know, after we did that, the speaking engagements in the US, I had people coming up to me and saying, you know, I'm so glad you just talked about that. I yeah. that going on in my life and I didn't know. I was kind of ashamed to talk about it. So thank you for yeah. just allowing me to be with what I need to be with. Mm. And um, just finally on this experience economy, which you're very, very passionate about, um, I noticed one of one of the, the big goals of, of your big red group company is to ensure that each experience is delivered sustainably and with a vision to reach significantly more people with the work that you do. Why are you seeing such a shift to this experience economy? Oh, it's not just us. I mean, it's been going on for years and years. The, the notion of, I say millennials without referencing people by age, but this notion of, well, I don't have to own it. I just want to experience it. Um, and I want to do things with my friends and I want to feel alive and be alive. So I think... I think the experience economy has been a thing for a long time. We didn't invent it. It's been around. That tra- you know, that more people travel now than ever have before. Um, and maybe that will take a little adjustment for a few weeks, but I promise you people aren't going to stop and they will be back. So I just, so what was the question? <laughs> so why, why experience has become such a key driver of organisations, as you've said, not just yours, but why is it taken over and why are people seeking it? Um, and people are seeking it because they, they want to live and they, like, I don't think my kids will uh, ever own a car. Mm. You know, they're just like, no, I just need to get from A to B. They're, so people's aspirations are shifting greatly and that's one way that they're shifting is that they're just going, well, what's important to me is my relationships and my people, Mm. uh, the people I have around me, my family, my friends. Yeah. So, so, and for us it is about the velocity because we know for every experience that we serve, we've made a difference to another business too. So that person, the cohort around them, but also um, the community, and that for us is really important. So we often uh, we often get asked the question, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" <laughs> My question to you, Naomi, is um, as we sort of close off this interview, is what what do you want to be remembered for? My painting. <laughs> I love your paintings, by the way. Anyone that's interested in Naomi's paintings, check out her Instagram feed. It's stunning. Where did that come from? I didn't know you oh, painted. I, I always wanted to be a painter and an artist, but a teacher said to me that she could see me starving in a garret, a garret and famous after I was dead. I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like fun. So, um, you know, so 
I still paint and um, that's my release in a very busy life and I love it. And as you can see, I've been painting a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, one day I'll actually sell one. Ha! <laughs> well, they should be sold. Watch out, I'm thinking of having a new career. <laughs> Naomi, I am not surprised that you have so many people interested in hearing your journey, uh, wanting to work within the organisations you um, you look after and equally following you across social media because the, the, the wonderful humility in the way you teach and inspire and share your wisdom is fabulous and having seen you on Shark Tank and uh, the wonderful strength of conviction and strength of care. I think uh, many of those, whether they got your funding or not, will have learned a significant amount, amount from you. Um, to close off, what if you could just give three tips to our listeners around the world around building business, what would they be? Right, my three tips. Choose the, one, choose the one thing you need to get done, even if it's hard, focus on it and get it done. Tip number two, choose the one thing you need to get done, focus on it, <laughs> it doesn't become easier. Tip number three, choose one thing, just one <laughs> thing that you have been putting off, putting for a rainy day, and it's time to get on with it. I love it. Get off your butt and just take some action, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but do that thing that's hanging over your head. The new website you said you were going to build, the book you said you were going to write, the whatever. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Naomi, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate grabbing this 30 minutes in your busy calendar. Thanks for sharing. And for anyone that uh, wants to find out more about Naomi, um, I'm going to suggest LinkedIn is where you post everything and you have all your thoughts and opinions anywhere else they can find you. Oh, I've been writing my blog for years, NaomiSimpson.com, and of course there's no P in Simpson. Uh, so, if you, you know, people want to follow along, I post things both there and on LinkedIn. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Naomi, for your time. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.